This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. T.L. Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week. I'm joined by my co-host Daniel Prue. You might remember him from Bridgemates. Uh, Daniel, how do you feel our next uh, next go is going to go? I think, um, I mean, I'm not a betting man, and I definitely would not bet on us. But, I mean, there's there's still hope, right? I mean, statistically speaking, we we have to win at some point. I, I think that's just we're out in space, the where the numbers are big and the odds are astronomical. There just there just has to be a time when we'll pull it together and win. I, I'm confident. I'm I'm confident as well. I actually I just bought my Bridgemates T-shirt on the Trek FM store. That's how much I believe. In our t- and I have my silver sharpie at the ready to <laughs> add letters to it. I was just going to say, yeah, you're probably going to need that. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Philip Gilfus. You might remember him from such episodes as Snakebot, the Great Librarian. Uh, Philip, I'm glad to have you back. And it's always fun when you have your, you know, reoccurring special byline on the opening titles, even though you're here every single week. How, how's that gig going for you? Well, I mean, not not very well. I would have thought by now I would be a main <laughs> cast member, but I'm still a also featured. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I think, you know, if, if fans keep getting the, the letters um, into the Trek FM office... Uh, wait, do we, we... We do have a Trek FM office, right? Um, yes, a centralized physical office in 2015. But actually, it, well, the trick is, you know, by having you a special guest star every week, we actually save like 30% on our overhead right there. Oh, good. wait, I mean, wait, wait, we, we all get paid the same, right? Uh, yes, we all get paid exactly the same. <laughs> I can confirm that. Uh, but yes, but this week on Earl Grey, we are going to be talking about guest stars. And I know we've talked about some guest stars before. I mean, it's hard not to. I mean, there's so many. But I I was starting to think about all the different guest stars that just had you've you've actually seen in other things. So not just, you know, there's Jeffrey Combs, but he's a guest star because he's like in everything and he's, you know, in other Trek roles. But I wanted to focus on the list of, you know, people who have been in other shows and other, you know, Maybe either walks of life had different things or just happened to be in a Star Trek episode. And I thought that would be a great start for a discussion. And who knows where it'll go, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Is this going to be the Troy McClure of Earl <laughs> yes. Grey? You exactly. may remember you, me from such films as... You picked up on my intro perfectly, Philip. So, yes. Maybe it, that's the title right there. You might remember me from such episodes as... I, um, you, you, you so, know... You, I was just gonna say, I don't think uh, Jeffrey Combs. Well, he wasn't ever in NG, was he? Oh, see, I mean, Jeffrey Combs is my cue, and I can't remember all the roles no, he's played. I think but he's only been DS Nine um, and Enterprise and Enterprise. That's right. And he played the Ferengi. What he was, was he in Voyager for? as well. Who was he in Voyager? He was. Uh, I don't know. Was he? Was, in, he, was uh, he the Starship Equinox? Is that the role? <laughs> he played? No. He was the caretaker. <laughs> he was in the episode Sunkatsi. Oh, okay. with the rock. Otherwise known as the one with the rock. Exactly, yeah. You might remember him from the <laughs> one with the rock. So it's a, I was just, it was funny that you mentioned him as an example when he actually wasn't. That's why he's not on my list. So <laughs> we, play, we play fair here on Oh Grey. So starting into this list, uh, and again, I'm... 
I did. I tried to do my research. I tried to actually tell who these people are, and but I might lean on you guys a little bit. So starting off, we have Fleetwood, no, Mick Fleetwood, who, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's like a musician, right? Um, See, I'm going to sound really dumb in this entire episode, guys, so don't, don't worry, listeners. I've just, this is as, I want to give you Darren's first thought not even with a ton of research. I so, thought Fleetwood Mac was a type of motorcycle. Is it? Is it a band? <laughs> oh, okay. uh, no, it's yeah. a, it's a it's yeah. An... See, that's what I started to say was Fleetwood Mac, but no, it's Mick Fleetwood. No, I know that um, he's from Fleetwood Mac, of course. Yes, Fleet, and which in yes. Fleetwood Mac is uh, is actually one of the old Apple computers, I believe. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You guys aren't helping. That's you're not helping. No, no. I, remember, I'm kidding. Remember when Apple was made of wood, kids? You didn't know. Yeah. Was, then they figured like, <laughs> hey, plastic might be the better way to go. So. Kept burning out the hardware. Yeah, it was. But he played uh, Antidian Dignitary in Manhunt. Did he play Antidian Dignitary number one or Antidian Dignitary number two? (laughs) You know, uh, it's it's hard to say. Maybe they just like split screened it. So they just had him play both because no one else wanted to get in that costume. And weren't those like the fish people? Yeah, they had to eat the... in cryostasis, yeah, and they, the, stasis of, and they ate the things. What was in that bowl the of fish, whatever? Fishy yeah. things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why people tune into Earl Grey <laughs> to get specific <laughs> facts about Star Trek. The guy from that band played that alien that did the thing that got okay. Okay, by I promise this next one. I know a little bit more about uh, Kelsey Grammer, uh, who's been Frasier and. Frasier and Frasier and the Beast yes. uh, also played Captain Morgan Bateson in Cause and Effect and oh God. reprised that role in a little-known book called Ship of the Line. You might have heard of me talk about it once or 80 million times. They based a calendar but, series on it. Um, but th- So this is more of the example I'm, I'm referring to where it's you know, oh, it's Frasier in space. Like, that's the kind of reaction you get when you see these people on screen. Like, it kind of almost pulls you out a little bit uh, from the moment. So what what did you guys first think? I mean, did you guys know who Kelsey Grammer was when you first saw this episode? Yeah. A million years ago? Yeah, I mean, a hey, cheers is, is what you're trying to think of. But, um, right. I mean, yeah, because he also looks, he looks more cheers-ish than he does Frasier-y. Um, even though that's the same character, but like he had the beard in Cheers, um, and so it's that's sort of true. Interesting to see him, and you know he kind of is, has that appearance where he's kind of like leaning in the captain's chair, sort of like, "Hi, I'm TV's Kelsey Grammer." <laughs> um, you might remember me from. <laughs> oh, but but I think it was the uh, and I know they tried to do it, but that would have just been so cool if they had gotten someone from Cheers like Kirstie Alley or. Or uh, or what's her face? Who we're going to talk about here pretty soon, BB, uh, to be like his science officer or first officer there on the ship. Just sort of, um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool that I mean, uh, stunt te- stunt casting is probably the wrong word to use, but um, but I mean, truly, it is a cameo, right? A cameo is is you know, yeah, a well-known exactly. celebrity just appearing for a couple cameo. Of that's the word I've been looking yeah. for. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm I'm picturing uh, you know if if Kelsey Grammer is going to be the uh, the captain there, I'm picturing. And I, I, I forgive me, I haven't watched a lot of Frasier, but his crotchety old dad in that recliner, like as the uh, first officer, you know, yelling at everybody. Well, what's funny is the rest of the Frasier crew was went on the USS Voyager. It's right for the twenty thirtieth. Yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah, that, that was foot. Yes. Um, Which is I funny because pref- yeah, because Frazier was the only one who wasn't on that crew. <laughs> but and, no, I prefer to that's think of he him was Morgan Bateson. Prefer to think of him more as a TV sideshow Bob. That's who I really <laughs> picture in the. Well, you, the, it's interesting that you put pick these two character, these two people first. I'm pretty sure, and I could be slightly off. Well, I know for a fact with Kelsey Grammer, but I think both of these um, people. Uh, just came on because they were fans. They were just Star Trek fans and mm. they just, they wanted to be on the show. That's why like you never actually see Mick Fleetwood. He's under all that prosthetics and, and right. Kelsey Grammer you would was, never know in a million years. Yeah. And then, and then Kelsey Grammer like went across the parking lot for half an hour one day to show up on the, cause he was only in the episode for 10 seconds. 
So, you know, but it was just because they wanted to do it. Well, actually, it was in the episode 30 seconds, but it was three times they yes. played through those 10 seconds. But yes, I, I know what you mean. Well, wasn't, I mean, and this is going to be random, and, and you all can uh, Google this to make sure I'm telling the truth here as I talk. But John Tesh, for those, all right, kids, I'll explain who this person is. Um, there used to be a show called Entertainment Tonight way back when um and it had mary hart and john tesh and he now then he went to play the piano and it was really weird but anyway he he played a klingon i, I am one 90 sure he played a klingon in like i don't know if it was the episode where uh, wharf gets surprise party pain sticked um by all those <laughs> klingons you know it was, it was season two because i remember pulaski being there um but i swear john tesh played a klingon and but i mean he was He's credited as Klingon warrior in the Icarus Factor. There you go. And, yep, and that's it. And, and I think we all know what happened in that episode. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I think that's another thing of someone wanting to be like, "Hey, I want to be on Star Trek: The Next Generation," and that was season two. So that's you know, I think there's definitely some maybe some diehard Trekkies there, but especially those who, who don't mind putting up all that makeup. Um, so obviously Kelsey just had to put on the monster maroon, so it wasn't probably that exactly. Though he never that's got to be in the that's why I got that swagger. Stuff. Yeah, so, so that's kind of sucks. <laughs> well, and again, since apparently there were a lot of Fraser fans, we also had Lilith, Fraser's wife, uh, BB Newrith, who played the, and I quote, oh. first contact nurse who got it on with Riker. Yeah, that is. You got I, a problem, Philip? That is a dumb. I, that is the dumbest part of that episode. I mean, I just want to throw that out there. You're like watching this thing, and it's all these sort of first contact issues, and and you know the the the, the reality of progress. But you get the X Files nurse who's all like, "I love aliens." Oh yeah, yeah. She loves aliens. Oh, you can love aliens. We don't need to love aliens. <laughs> but I, I mean, I know it was meant to be funny, but it's just like that's like it doesn't even make sense. Mm. Okay, so next we have Ken Jenkins, who was Dr. Paul Stubbs in Evolution. Wasn't he the Obviously, guy that kept winning on Jeopardy? No, this is the <laughs> Scrubs doctor. I think it would be his most famous role. I mean, he's been in a million things, but uh, but I think that's what he's more recently known for. Uh, I definitely recognize him from that uh, in, in rewatches and such, but, uh, but again, he, I mean, he had a, a good role. I think he played the character. Well, did you, you know, know Wesley was a Wonderkin guy? <laughs> you know, that makes so it all clicked right now, Philip. I didn't get it until you just said that, but now I want to go rewatch all of Star Trek and it's going to make a lot more sense now. I think you'll hit a home run. What if, uh, Dr. Is it, was it, his name Dr. Cox? No, that's the uh that's the younger guy, right? In Scrubs. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think what what is his name? Um anyways, it doesn't I guess it doesn't really matter. But uh Crack what I was tra- detective skills here on Earl Grey. <laughs> yeah, I know we we don't we don't know anything. We only know um, Star Trek guys, and even that it's like eighty percent, but you know. Anyways, I was just thinking um I wish that character showed up in Evolution instead, oh. and and was just kind of like super <laughs> condescending to instead of like telling Wesley how special he was, he was just telling him how much of a jackass he is. Or the janitor <laughs> shows up and he's like cleaning the hallway. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> the more <laughs> I think about it, he replaces the little panel and he's like, "Oh, I've just uh, laser bonding a backup uh, connection," and then Picard kills him, you know, because he was trying to take over the ship, but. Well, the more I think about it, Wesley could be the Zach Braff character of <laughs> the next generation. Does that make Jordan, uh, that other guy, Ty, JD? Turk. Turk, Turk, that's it. <laughs> so, so like, one of these episodes, the the camera will just kind of zoom in on uh, on Wesley Crusher's face, and he, like, thinks up something ridiculous, and we go into his daydreams and stuff. That would actually be pretty funny. Well, I mean, oh, the there was that Daniel shot in the game where it's literally, like, right on his face and his eyes as they're, you know, that, there's <laughs> your shot right there. Take it or leave it. Please leave it. Please. Ah, uh, no. Well, you well, know, years Wesley's no before, well, speaking of Spider-Man, years before she graced us as Mary Jane Watson, Kirsten Dunst 
was in Star Trek, yes, with minimalist makeup. I think it's like the side of her head. But uh, she was in Dark Page as a little girl. Yeah, I, I think, think that's... Was, she that's, was uh, that's... the little girl that died, right? No. I haven't seen Dark Page. No, no, no. She's, she's another girl who, like, triggers it. Yeah, she um, triggers the memories yeah, of... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I watched Dark Page, but yeah. Well, and I think that's probably one of the ones, um, you know, especially nowadays... Uh, when you're watching these episodes, it's, you know, it's kind of like a Law and Order. You know, you're, if you watch one of the old ones, you're like, "Isn't that, isn't, isn't that Jack Black? Yeah, is he, is he in this?" And yes, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, everyone from the '80s or, or everyone that's was famous in the '90s was in the Law and Order. But um, I mean, like, you're watching that, you're like, "Is that Kirsten Dunst as a kid?" You're like googling or wicking or memory alphaing, um, or ask Jeezing for some reason, um, and you know. You're like, oh my gosh, that's her. Totally her. Yes. Yeah, well, I, I remember seeing an episode of it was like CSI something or and the the kid, the catcher kid from Sandlot showed up as like a detective and I just I couldn't see him as a adult detective. It was just the kid from Sandlot like pretending he was an adult detective. It just it couldn't click in my head cuz it looks he looks exactly the same. He's just taller. But I know it's, uh, it is interesting. She is one of the more, you know, famous ones to come out of it. I guess maybe she's not as famous anymore. I don't know. I, I don't really keep up. You had her. I haven't moment. seen. I mean, I haven't seen her. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's like two Spider-Man franchises ago. Like, who can even remember? <laughs> who can remember that? You can just say two Spider-Men ago. I think that would be easier. <laughs> okay, there you go. Or two Mary Janes ago. You could say that. That means a totally different thing, Daniel, but... Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I think that's usually how this podcast sounds, that it was two Mary Janes ago. Well, when when our esteemed Admiral producer, Christopher Jones, saw that I was doing this list, he <laughs> insisted that I include this next one, uh, the famous Terry Ashley Judd. Ha- oh, no. no, no, not Terry Hatcher. My gosh, no. Um, Ashley Judd, Robin Leffler... Uh, we should just link to <laughs> the episode that of uh, was at the Ready Room where all we talked about was Robin Lovely. Uh, but yeah, she was in two episodes, Darmok and the game. Uh, and who knows where they were going with that character? But she was a fun character, and and fans enjoyed her. Certain fans more 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 than, than others, others I think. but yes, yeah. You know, it's just it's another. Uh, I mean, she was or her family was famous, right? Um, at the time so i guess maybe that's probably what got her in there but it's funny just like to look back like to see these these actors at such a young age on this show and uh just to think like i wonder if this might be a little slightly off topic but i wonder if like the next star trek show is going to kind of be a springboard for for younger um, Mm. actors in the same kind of way you know i i can see so i mean you could i think of like when next generation came out and i mean there was a couple of slightly known actors but they were mostly it seemed like they weren't as known um but it's hard to say well, like, i mean i wasn't well that reminds me of one i and i i think y'all know who she is now but maybe you still don't when we talked about um we'll always have paris um mm. what's her, and i'm blanking on her name but from the mamas and the papas i mean big 60s group you have as picard's love interest in that in that episode it's like that's just like a random like Okay, it'd be like, you know, if Janis Joplin was still alive and she, like, guest starred on Star Trek, you're like, okay, that's uh, cool. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's sort of one of, a, like, a random, like, okay, that's cool. But, I mean, exactly. I think, you know, with, but you're, Jaren, you were talking about, like, where they were going to go with Leffler, and, like, the more I think about it, like, her character is not, not, not like, the character, but, like, her feature is very odd. Like, because she's a very standout like the, yeah. you know, here's one character because you know, like you said, it's like if they started following up on Lower Decks or something. Like they spend a significant amount of time developing her character, right? And it it would be like if it was just the game, you'd be like, okay, it's Wesley's love interest, and that's all that's happening. But like, no, she was in Darmok too, so it's like there was okay, a Darmok too. Okay, I gotta go watch that yeah. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shaka, when the walls Shaka, went back when the walls up. Fail. 
Uh, again. Again. <laughs> now that we've broken um, the language barrier, let's break the galactic By metaphor. You know, uh, it, I, I think what the, the, the idea was, of course, was to kind of develop that character into probably a, a good secondary character. I, I, I want to say I remember this from some background reading, but what I imagine happened is just that she started getting other gigs and got busy doing other work, and, uh, you know, she just wasn't available anymore. She got too famous for Star Trek. <laughs> Just like Michelle Forbes. I said <laughs> Daniel. Wow. Next we have Terry Hatcher. And before she was a desperate housewife or in 007, she or, was... Or... The Adventures of Lois and Clark Darren. Some of us yes. lived in the 90s. Okay, well, I was a little, a wee bit younger in the 90s. So, yes. Well, so hey, was, I was even so, younger and I remember her. Well, so was Dean. Yes, Kane, Chekhov. But, um, but, um, but no, she played Lieutenant B.G. Robinson in the Outrageous Okana. Isn't that the like transporter room officer? He kind of like winks yes. at, like the literally the first woman he sees on the ship. Yeah, he does a little more than wink at her. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes. But there is a wink. I'm not lying by saying there. Oh no no no! Yeah, he definitely flirts with her in the transporter room. Yeah, but that, sure. see, that's a and again, I don't know. To all things and to all people, whatever I suppose. But like, that's a very mixed message episode because he like you know this guy's like, hey babe, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but like hey babe, what you going? She's like, ugh, I you know don't don't waste my time, you know don't cat call me or whatever. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's how women are in Starfleet, buddy. That's oh, she's in his room. Okay, well, I guess. Um, okay, there you go. He charmed her. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'll go with that. I, I sense a giant air quotes on that charmed uh, for you, <laughs> Philip. But well, because he comes up as like a jerk, and then you're like, yeah, yeah, women don't take that. And like three scenes later, oh, <laughs> she fell for it because. That's what women do. Or, or she was on the job and didn't find it uh, an appropriate she, time to do those sorts of things. She slipped him her digital number. <laughs> yeah. You can only sexual harass me off hours, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right, Earl well, Grey does not condone sexual harassment. <laughs> we are well, equal opportunity. Well, our next person proves that star trek didn't care about you recognizing an actor in multiple roles because we have james cromwell that'll do pig he played zephyrin cochran in star trek first contact the movie he also dropping the name again he was also in birthright both parts and he was in the hunted now i know some of these are you know non-tng episodes but he you know he's like second to jeffrey combs he was he was a lot and he, he's very recognizable even under like a ton of makeup like he's freakishly tall and you know he developed warp drive like did he need to go into some like protection program was he too famous he couldn't just walk amongst the normal people or maybe he was dead by that time i mean there's it's 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 a little blurry well my favorite is the hunted where he has like hi i'm james cromwell well we don't want people to like you know, like this, this is a like I don't know his phone filmography <laughs> off the top of my head, but they're like you know he's really famous. We don't want people to be distracted. What's some way we could fake mustache, fake mustache, fake, fake mustache? mustache. <laughs> now he's a, yeah, that's that's true. They don't actually get like a forehead of the week that week. It's just mustaches and jumpsuits. You know. I wonder. I wonder if he is a fan of Star Trek, or if he's like he invented warp drive, Daniel. I'm pretty sure he's a fan of 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 Star Trek. Well, you know, he's an Oscar winning uh, winning actor. It just seems like uh, you know, uh, not I don't want to say above his pedigree, but but you know, it just seems like um, it's interesting that he keeps coming Um, back. You know, kept coming back. Let me tell you about the statue, Daniel. I mean, he's standing there (laughs) with his arms stretched out, like towards the future. And he's just gazing off to the horizon. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I'm I'm thankful. I, I love, went to I, I, I love you know Zephyrin <laughs> Cochran High School. I mean, I I don't want to name drop, but I did. And you know, it's it was pretty cool. And he also used Zephyrin Cochran to win an argument once. <laughs> um 
But I mean, to me, I know, like in two thousand, I mean, in the year you're listening to this, um, is in the that... year two thousand fifteen. <laughs> we'll just insert it. You know, in the future yeah, we'll have yeah. the ability um, to do that. Exactly. Um, but like you know, nowadays, uh, movie stars are on TV all the like. There's no, yeah. there's no wall. They tore down that. <laughs> Um, you know, like movie stars are on television, which I think is kind of you know pissing off TV stars because like, hey man, get get stay on the big screen. Um, but back in the eighties and nineties, like there was a wall. You are a movie star or you are a TV star, and neither the twain shall mm. meet. And so, like this James Cromwell is a film. I mean, like obviously he's not like a big box office, but like that's his oeuvre. And so for him to reappear on Star Trek TV so much is very different. And and so, I mean, there probably has to be some interesting story there. Well, when we get him I mean, on uh, to interview him, we'll ask him that. Yeah, if that ever happens. I mean, of course, the 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 great comparison, and I know this is not a guest star because obviously she's a little above that. But like Whoopi Goldberg, you right. know, she's a, a at the time was a you know movie star. Like she just she doesn't do TV. You know, yeah, maybe the, like a TV it, special. It's, but. it's more of the like the schedule. Like they flexed around her schedule because you know she's got more important things to do than ten bar in ten forward. She has to act, sister. <laughs> uh, okay, next we have Nikki Cox, who plays Sharjanka in Pen Pals. Data! 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 <laughs> and yeah, so again, just one of those names that pops up. Uh, she was very young and had freakishly long fingers. I mean, I know it's prosthetics, but um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know... Like people always bring her up as, oh, she was on things and you know, she was on Star Trek and she's famous. I don't know her she's, from anywhere. Yeah, else. she's not actually that famous. I think. Well, she I, was, what was it? So, um, yeah. it was I like one of those married, married with, married with children kind of shows. Like, but not married with children. But yeah, yeah, it was because uh, it's the guy who plays the detective on Gotham. He was in it as the dad. Yeah. Uh, um, or the you know the bad detective, um, but uh, I'm thinking for time. It was um, oh unhappily Probably ever after. No, I'm just kidding. Unhappily ever after. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like I don't ever watch. I I didn't watch that '90s sitcom, but I remember her. I think she just had one of those standout roles. You know, like like hey, here's a very attractive young lady in the show, and like oh yeah, that's what I know her from. Um, have you seen the show? No, I just I just aware there's an attractive young lady out there. Um, she's the one they're gonna put on the TV guide. Let's just you know, let's just say exactly. Exa- I mean, you're you're the literally, kids. Yeah. Ask your parents oh, what yeah. TV guide is, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, our next guest cameo was one of the few, if not only, characters to play himself in the real world, and that is Doctor Stephen Hawking. No, not Albert Einstein. <laughs> he always cheats at cards. Uh, is it is it Fecklar? <laughs> <laughs> I am Fecklar. <laughs> oh, it's McDuff, isn't it? It's got to be McDuff. No, it's not McDuff. <laughs> he was there the whole time. It's like that one coworker where you haven't asked them their name for like months, and it's just too awkward to ask, and you're like trying to see it on a letterhead or something, and you're like. Hey, you. hey, buddy! How's it? Thank TGIF, man. Commander guy, you. That's great. Oh but, um, but no. But Stephen Hawking, yes, plays himself, and I think is quoted as saying when he was giving when he was given his tour of the Enterprise set uh, past the warp drive. I think he pointed to it and said, "I'm working on that." And as of yet, I don't think he's finished. But uh, where is it, Stephen? <laughs> Where is it? Too busy getting movies made about you, huh? <laughs> I mean, you know, fate of mankind, but nevertheless, let's let's go box off. I mean, I haven't yeah, seen fine. his biopic, but if they included a scene towards the end that showed him cameoing on Star Trek, I would watch it. I mean, you know, that's an important part of it. No, it's not. It's not at all. It's... That would that would actually be really <laughs> awesome, though. Like, <laughs> just like, like this minute school. Just data. for the fact... <laughs> Uh, Brent Spiner, obviously, no. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I was gonna say just for the fact of like or who sorry, would they get to uh, cast like Tom to, Hiddleston to play everyone. Uh, no, he would play young a young Picard, not young Data. I <laughs> know uh, it's what's really cool. Well, 
I, I don't know if cool is the right way to describe astronomical. this. Astronomical. What's really uh. interesting is that, um, and you know, it's it's tremendous how long he's you know managed to to stay alive and you know like continue to thrive. And it's like it's so it's kind of weird to like think that he was in an episode in like 1991, and you know, and here he is still kicking yeah. and working and doing all these tremendous things. And it's like it's kind of mind blowing that we can actually you know that we we still have him. Oh yeah, definitely. And but it was a very I mean obviously who knows who put it together to to shoot that scene, but it's a great scene. You know, just it's data playing with these great minds and you know, the Albert Einstein impersonator is okay and the the Isaac Newton one seems what we kind of would expect of him, but it's just it's very fun and uh you know, like uh like you know, if I could use some card terminology, I mean it it uh, because you know that translates well into Star Trek, uh, but no, it it works well for them to play the game on the holodeck. Although, I mean, did they? Is that why they showed the grid behind them? Like they don't actually have; they're not in a room. They just couldn't create the entire room. But well, data doesn't need uh, data doesn't need all those frills. Well, he's too he's you know he's too hipster. <laughs> For like the full blown holodeck, he he like plays old you know NES games, so he like he's like he's like, like retro. Uh, he's when retro you don't plug holodeck. in the memory slot for the background, it makes the other characters just run like 0.5 megabits faster, and it's like <laughs> that's what the cool kids are doing. <laughs> I think only Data would go to the holodeck and create his room. Like you know, you could you could have just. Uh, except for except um, for that one moment where Moriarty like did that and it like totally confused him, and then after that he could never play his own room because then he was always you know what I I, I have the capability now uh, f- to stream like just for an example to stream games for my Xbox to my computer. Don't you think Data could just stream the holodeck into his eyeballs and he wouldn't even need uh, that? Well, he doesn't have a Wi-Fi connection, so he'd have to like plug his pinky into like a socket somewhere, but maybe. Maybe. You're probably right. No, he would just he would just like uh, you know, pull his little headpiece yeah. off there. Jordy comes in, "Data, what are you way. doing?" "Oh, I'm just playing poker with Stephen Hawking." He's like, "Okay, let's um <laughs> Of course you are. Of course you are." <laughs> well, you know I think that the cool thing about that cameo is that often, well, I say often, I'll say, I don't know, oftentimes Star Trek can be critiqued for being very 20th century and before in its references, or, like, it goes one of two Everything ways. Everything is the late like, 20th it, century, yeah. Yeah, or, or like, it's the 19th and, and the, you know, like, well, whatever happened on the 22nd, you know, or something, or it'll do the other side where you do the ridiculous third example, so you'll be like, oh, that's like... Hitler or Khan Sin or Benzensavar of Takis Lor. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, you just yeah. threw that in there. But like having Stephen Hawking, it's like the great minds, and you're like, yeah, there's one from now. There's a now one. This you is know, now, now. From the Go back to then. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's a good. Yeah, rather than just picking, you know, here's, uh, was it Daystrom? you know, Matt Daystrom, you know, whatever. It's like nobody knows who that is. Like, use real people when you can that are alive, which there's only one. But. And, like, nobody listens to a Metallica album. Really? I mean, no one? Like a Nirvana one or something? Or, you know. <laughs> well, they they might listen to Nirvana, but even in the future, they couldn't listen to Metallica. Ah, Napster. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's actually, it's not Metallica anymore. It's a tripolymer alloy. Okay. <laughs> Transparent Illuminica. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. Now I want yep. that Trek FM. We, death we found metal another t-shirt. Transparent Illumin. Transparent Illuminica. Coming on tour. Ride, this ride the warp in core. San yeah. Francisco. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, of course, you're not supposed to wear the t shirt to the concert. Don't be a loser. With or without sleeves, <laughs> <Yeah>. your choice. <laughs> uh, oh boy! All right, no. So next, again, as we're speaking of of real people, this was a, obviously a real person, but um, <laughs> uh, May Jameson, who played Lieutenant J- Junior Grade Palmer in Second Chances, 
was one of the few real astronauts who has been in Star Trek. I think some of the others have been in Enterprise uh, in their finale. But uh, yeah, this was you know really cool because I think she got to meet Nichelle Nichols on the on the set and just again so many people who enter STEM fields you know like those that are in NASA and such talk about Star Trek inspiring them and I'm sure in a lot of ways the 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 cast you know the actors and crewmen you know they're just making a TV show and then here's an astronaut standing on your set like the things they've done the places they've been you know I'm sure the awe went both ways that would have been a very fun day on set for sure well and you know that's one thing that I feel like there should have been more in Star Trek not only the next generation but all of them like like cameos from non-actors so like a Stephen Hawking would be a good example Mm. and then May like you said like you know have NASA like why was there only one astronaut on TNG like why were because they were busy going to space Philip (laughs) they have jobs (laughs) to do the International Space Station is not going to build itself um, but yeah, well, I think I could see like nowadays, uh, like Commander uh, Hatfield, like Chris Hatfield being like, he's a pretty famous. Totally. Um, and with a new Star Trek show he's coming not... out in a year, maybe he will be. Yes. No excuse. No excuses. Not for him. I mean, well, like, it, and then I know this is a non-TNG example, but like, and this is the cameo that blows my mind. And I know it's not TNG, but nevertheless, the King of Jordan. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, no, the no. King of Sorry, freaking the Prince Jordan. of Jordan. He was a still a prince well, uh, when he was on the show. Oh well, but now true. he's the he King was, of Jordan. Yeah, cameoed on Star Trek uh, Voyager. Uh, that that still blows my mind. Yeah, he probably gave Paramount a nice check for that, but or an island, possibly. I don't know. Uh, I think Jordan's landlocked, actually, but. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so Mae Jameson, just an awesome, awesome cameo there. Uh, next is uh, an actor I really like, uh, David Ogden Stiers, who was Timison in Half a Life, and he's been in, in many roles. Mash. Yeah, MASH, obviously, uh, most famous for, but also uh, Beauty and the Beast as Cogsworth, uh, for those of you with kids. Oh, good yeah. one, yes. yes. Um, but yeah, recently having gone through a complete MASH rewatch on Netflix and, you know. Also, also because you brought it up, you know who played the French candle? Uh, Lumiere. Yes. Because we were using Law and Order earlier. Mm-hmm. Jerry Orbach. That's right. I'm saying it all comes yes. together. Yes, but. Uh, why, and why um, but yeah, but recently finishing a, a rewatch of MASH on Netflix, uh, you know, you just get to see a lot of episodes with David in it. And he's a really good actor. And so, I mean, he played obviously a very different role and a very subdued role in the role of Temesin. But, uh, you know, I, I think he, that's, it's again, not an episode I watch a ton, but it deals with a really interesting, you know, kind of moral conundrum it's kind of like the pen pals of adults <laughs> like what do you you know you <clears throat> when you need to intervene Loxana, you... <laughs> Loxana. <laughs> uh, but what did you guys think of that episode and and david's role as temison i uh you know, you know what I, I like about this episode and it's gonna sound like a backhanded compliment or like i'm being crass but like one t- or a challenge in Star Trek and all of TV, let's be honest, is that it's a game of for the young. You know, it's all these like uh, will they, won't they romance and like all this twenty and thirty year old stuff, uh, like person. Um, but like Half a Life, I mean, that is an episode for you know folks to enjoy of a certain age. I mean, that that's you know, it's not about being twenty three; it's about being fifty and sixty. And that's a, a to me, that's a very like it's a love story. Yeah, for the you know for that age group. And so, like, I mean, I, I like and respect that, hey, we're not always just going to be 20s and 30s, 20s and 30s. That's all we do on TV and movies. That we can actually have age-appropriate, age quote-unquote, stories and love and romance. And so I think that's an episode that actually does that. And so it's kind of rare, really, even this day and age. Does this episode fall into the writers are now talking about old age, you know, 
uh, <laughs> and dying and yes, theory uh, that we have going. Yes. I, uh, I <clears throat> excuse me. I was only exposed to mash, um, from my father watching it. You know, it was All on like time. <laughs> seven to eight, or eight o'clock every weekday night as you know, growing up. So I've seen quite a few episodes, but never really paid attention. It was just always on in the background. Um, but I always, always struck at the difference between his performance in that show and his performance in, in this episode. And, it, uh, you know, two very, very different characters and portrayals. And I always uh, thought he pulled it off really, really well. Like I, when I first watched him in Star Trek, I knew I recognized him from something, but I had no idea that that's, that's where it was from. I just like the idea that there's like a casting director or someone who's just like us, who's like a nerd and like, you know what, I, you know what TV show I like to watch growing up? Are they still doing a thing? Can we get yeah. them on here? That's yeah. really cool. Let's see. Mash, that's going off the air this particular year. I bet you they're looking for a paycheck. Let me give uh, old David a call and see uh, if he can come on. I'm sure such a I, position. I mean, that's like anyone, anyone our generation who like grows up being casting directors like, is it Brad Spiner doing yeah. anything? Like he, I would want to see. I would, I would be on our show. What That's do you mean just... he's not doing anything? That's incredible. I can't believe it. Well, next we have our favorite captain who likes to put women in uniform. Captain Jellico, Ronnie Cox. Uh, Does that make him the opposite of Riker? <laughs> well, Riker... That's just but, an old man's yeah. fantasy. Not, no, but... No. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I obviously know uh, Ronnie most from Tr- RoboCop, where he plays Dick Jones, the notorious board member. Uh, but he, oh, you're fired. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Go watch RoboCop, kids. I mean, no, kids don't watch RoboCop. I, <laughs> Wait, which no, RoboCop? No. Which <laughs> RoboCop? That's two RoboCops ago. Let me just Darren. say that the '80s RoboCop. It, I like to call it 80s R. It's like a different kind of R than like today's oh, God, R. It is. <laughs> it's like, it's, and it's Paul Verhoeven. So it's like there's R, then there's 80s R, then there's Paul Verhoeven 80s R. And it's just like, it's really something. Um, so kids, don't watch that. I, uh, <laughs> please don't. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but I like RoboCop, obviously, uh, as a robot, and he's a cop. If, if, but for the uh, Clash of the Titans, um, oh, Ed Two Hundred Nine versus RoboCop animation, yes, the Go Motion, yes. Hey, it's all they had on the day, and you know it, <laughs> it, it held up. No, um, but yeah, because that's I mean that's an interesting, and I don't know, I don't know what you all think. I don't know. Maybe we should do our uh, uh, Captain Jellico at, uh, profile, but like. You know, do you think he, that he, you know, either the actor and or the character, like, it, do you think they're going like, what's the opposite of Picard? Like, in, I mean, like, I'm thinking of like, say, Equinox yeah. and Voyager, like, we want the polar opposite of Janeway. Like, do you think he sees the opposite of Picard or just like a different, just, you know, left field entirely? I think he's kind of just different, just like, you know, there's a dozen or so different command styles and he just has a different one. It just, it's, it's kind of particularly grading against what we're used to, but it's not, I don't feel it's like up is down, left is right. Like opposite day. Um, I don't know. Did you just do the contra cheat code <laughs> up, up, down, down, <laughs> left, right, a, B start. <laughs> Konami code. Um, yeah, well, well, what's interesting to me is that it's, it's, he's played almost how Picard was played initially. Like it's it's kind of like he was season one Picard, like where it's more <laughs> the demons about, of his past come back. <laughs> hey, yeah, and and well, you know, because Picard has softened over the six, five, six years since you know we've we've learned him, and then he, and he's grown accustomed to his crew, and he's been more lax. And then this guy comes in, who's all no I've no nonsense, uh, you know, who is face. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just a different just yeah. a different command style. Because I mean, to me, it's it's interesting. I mean, deliberate. I assume that it, you know that that Ronnie Cox. You know, um, I don't know if literally, but at least seems like the same age as Patrick Stewart at the time. You know, th- you're both getting this sort of 
elder quote unquote captain, you know, like an experienced captain. This isn't just like right. the first command or second command. And obviously it's the flagship. Um so they just didn't like Admiral Chev didn't just throw a dart on the board, um, but it, it, it was an interesting. I mean, I, and I because that's a, that's a hard thing of like you're going to play the new captain of the Enterprise for two episodes. Yeah, and that's you know an imposing build a fill. Well, um, well kind of like Shelby I, I, had that good. you know build a fill when it's like you're gonna go toe to toe with Riker on these things, you know. Well, and 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 here's the thing too. Uh, in universe, like you're talking about him p- portraying that that captain for two episodes, but even in universe, he might have been overcompensating uh, in those episodes. He might have been going a little overboard of like this is how, how we do things. This is my way, and yeah. then like would have even doubt if he had the chance. Like it would have been everybody would have gotten along and everybody would have been fine. You know, maybe if they had gotten time. If to Picard had died, it other. would have so been way better because he would have just acclimated. Is that what you're saying? Daniel, <laughs> yeah, Picard no. must die. Is that what this is about again? <laughs> yeah. I can see him. Um, well, because I mean, like, I can see him, you know, taking down the what would Captain Picard do plaque, you know, and just burns. <laughs> yep. WWPD. <laughs> now I'm just thinking, like Captain Jellico Day. Like, didn't this used? To I'm be, a role model. Is this a different holiday. The kids are all like, this is weird. <laughs> Why can't we have Captain Picard Day? Uh, he's no longer the captain. That doesn't make sense. Why would you change it? And you have like you have like a 12-year-old like, when I was a kid, we had Captain Picard Day. You kids today. And then there's a, there's a kid who like refuses to accept it, and he makes like a little Livingston doll. And they're like, actually, Livingston's gone too. Yeah, um, this is awkward. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I think about like that polar opposite, and again, I'm not saying it's true, but one thing that does jump out at me is that Jellico had kids, or was it grandkids? I mean, obviously, you have to have one without the other. No, he just gave it right to grandkids. Kid pictures. <laughs> and it, well, I was going to say, 24th century. Who knows? Um, yeah, I actually think he just had drawings from stole drawings from the they nursery. He's like, these are my kids, <laughs> and for some reason. There was this giant snowflake in the photos. <laughs> you will draw it. I don't care if it's about to kill it. Draw. Draw, Billy. Draw. I somehow don't doubt that Jellicle would do that if he was on the colony that was being attacked by the crystalline entity. Because he made them draw on the fourth shift, and that's really... Uh... Oh, yes. Okay. So next we have Terry O'Quinn who is Admiral Eric Pressman in the Pegasus, otherwise known as John Locke from Lost. I think is his most famous current role. Uh, and by far one of the better Admiral uh, tunics, I think. He ca- they finally had kind of evened out a little bit. Yeah, he, he, that was a... I don't. I mean, I. I mean, of course, I guess. But that was that was a really good role. I mean, evil. Well, not evil, but villain. Antagonist. I'll use that word instead. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, because bad Merle. Yes, bad Merle. Yeah. No, I felt that he did a really good job with that role, and you know, it was this. You know, this. I mean, he's an admiral, but he was obviously a former captain. You know, working with Riker, and and it. It's interesting. I mean, again, with the television, you know format and its budget i mean obviously they they rarely almost never do flashbacks except for like shades of gray but like in star trek so i'm just saying like all the times they're describing like their firefight to the escape pod and all of that like it would have been interesting to have seen that as like a video flashback or something his performance in pegasus was really good, but I actually prefer his uh, performance in These Are the Voyages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. They, are you saying they brought in Terry O'Quinn? He's just sitting off stage, and every time Riker had to like get into the role, he's like, "Okay, I just yelled at you about this." You know, <laughs> all his stuff was cut, unfortunately. And next we have Kevin Peter Hall, who is much more known for his height. I would say than uh, in the roles that he takes. So he played the body for the Predator and the Predator, and Harry for Harry and the Henderson. I think he has like a thing in his contract that he's got to play the 
literal title character. Um, but he played uh, Leor in The Price, who is kind of that dinosaur-looking, you know, really tall negotiator at the table. But again, he's a really tall guy. Like, Wait, wait. Are you saying he was The Price negotiator? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Philip. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But... Okay, yes, not not too much to say about him, unless you guys are big Predator slash Harry the Henderson fans. I mean, I, Harry Henderson I, Con I, 15, I woo! I, I've seen Henry, Harry and the Hendersons. I don't think oh, I've ever seen Predator movie. You I'm gotta gonna, see Predator, man. I'm saying oh, this right now. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, I know, it's, I, I know I was, it stars uh, several governors. <laughs> I've, that's what I'm told, so. And there's some choppers in it, and you have to get to them. It's, it's very good. No, I I highly recommend Predator. It's it's, it's a. Uh... Tell him, Daniel. It is very good. It's very. I was, I was actually just going to say that. Um, Carl Weathers. Carl, Carl Weathers. Weathers. Uh, <laughs> yes, is in Predator, uh, and uh, is also mm. uh, in Arrested Development. So. Well, the last person on our list. Uh, definitely, I think, took a lot from his role in the fact that when he was cast in another sci-fi franchise, everyone was like, oh, that guy from that one episode of Star Trek that we enjoyed. And of course, I'm talking about Saul Rubik. Yeah. Rubinick. Rubinick. Of course, I'm talking about Saul Rubinick, who played Kivas Fajo in The Most Toys and also played, was it Artie, I think? Yeah, in um, Warehouse 13. And he's been in a bunch of small roles here and there, but I remember definitely when Warehouse 13 started, it's like, oh, it's the collector from the most toys. I'm going to watch this. They knew their demographic well, let me tell you that. Uh, but, I mean, he, he had a really good role. And I, I think when we talked about that episode at other times, I think, wasn't he like a last-minute step-in? Because uh, the original actor, I think, died from like a, an accident or something. Yeah, he died pretty quick, yeah. like right before, I think, shooting. Um, but so. I think it's become one of his most iconic roles. Uh, uh, definitely something he can bank on. So, um, One you didn't have on your list here was, uh, and again, someone I'm really not that familiar with, but I just he always sticks out in my mind because of how kind of terrible it is, uh, is Joe Piscopo. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, from The Outrageous Akena, uh, uh, playing that quote-unquote comedian oh that's right that's the one who teaches data the cigar bit right oh man yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll never forgive him for that <laughs> yeah so we we don't need to actually talk too much about him but one that you had on your list darren that you either skipped over or might might have uh, uh neglected to mention uh who i wanted to talk about was uh Fomke johnson who was uh phoenix and also Zenya Onatop from GoldenEye, uh, well, uh, who uh, is amazing, and uh, you know, as as a as a teenage boy watching Star Trek: Next Generation, I fell in love with her, and then watching X Men, I fell in love with her again. Uh, she's just a really uh, well, and GoldenEye, I suppose as well. Uh, just someone that's always kind of uh, she's you know she's in the nerd culture, she's right in that that sphere, and. Uh, and she reunites with Patrick Stewart later on, That's later true. on as Professor Xavier. That's true. Yes, no, I and I think I was just keeping for time, but I'm glad you did mention her because those are a lot of things that she is well known for, and she might pop out. The perfect mate, exactly. But yes, well, <clears throat> well, it'll be interesting to see who they cast in cameos in the new Star Trek 2017. Maybe Stephen Hawking's will make a comeback. Uh, wait, 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 isn't it going to be Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> Wouldn't he be the guest star? For... Look, when I when I met Neil and we chatted about, oh, God. <laughs> oh here we go, here we go. <laughs> I guess we'll all have to wait till Star Trek: The Next Generation. The Next Generation. Yeah, something tells me out. that's not the title they're going to go with, Daniel. But <laughs> is it is it going to be Star Trek: The Next Generation Phase Two? two? No, no, it's yeah, it's gonna be the next generation, the next phase. Uh, 
<laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation The Return? The non-motion picture. <laughs> well, making <laughs> Predator cameo discussions is not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. They just happen to come at just the right time. Right, or just, just the, wrong the right time. time for it to be dangerous. Like literally, like not even like that day, but like like two minutes before <laughs> this happens. Earl Grey. Well, it does all those cloak experiments. It deployed that communications array. Minefield? And the minefield for exploratory purposes. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Defiant, because you know it's just going to upset me. To the journey! What about Tommy? Tommy is a drunk, and... <laughs> <laughs> He's drunk in the ready room meeting. His head's down, and so Jamie says, Tom, anything? Just not so loud. Commentary, Trek stars. You know what? See, the thing is now, if uh, Star Trek Beyond goes sideways in any way, you've planted that line in my brain. And I'm like, I only got half a peg. <laughs> and I'm just going to trot that out if I, if I don't like Star Trek Beyond. The 602 Club. I, I remember hearing Timothy Zahn, even back then, reading an article that he was listening to the John Williams uh, scores in his car as he was thinking all this through and, and making sure the pacing felt like it did with the music. So maybe it had to do with the certain music he was listening to. Maybe he's listening mm. to a New Hope score at that point. I don't know. Literary treks. I think we had between the three of us half a dozen or eight different springboards, and they were written in such a way that they could have gone to either ship and crew. It was like, you know, the Sagittarius encounters big blob in space or Endeavor encounters derelict spacecraft or I mean I'm being real surface here I mean the the, the the prompts we provided in the Bible were probably just a couple of sentences long and it was just meant to say these are the kinds of stories we're thinking about women at warp so we went in and pitched and I have to say that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I have scrubbed in on brain surgery. It did not frighten me as much as go as waiting outside Gene Roddenberry's office getting ready to go in and pitch to him. Meta Trex. You're not going to see a bunch of Klingons hanging around eating cake and and <laughs> you know laughing at uh, Well, Klingons. unless it has unless it's a peptide cake with mint frosting. <laughs> peptide indeed. Indeed. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to Trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek.fm show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trekfm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trekfm today. So Daniel, if someone wanted to talk about all of the Bond girls that showed up, or maybe not, in Star Trek, where would they find you online? Absolutely. They can find me on Twitter, uh, at 1UpDan. That is the number one and not and the And Philip, if uh, people want to 
probe your memory for all of the Sideshow Bob references they can, where would they find you? Good God, darling. Uh, they can find me on Twitter for NC Public Servant. That's NC for no killing Bart, killing spelled with a C. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah. I thought you were going to say no cameo. And if someone wants to talk to me about Kelsey Grammer and his role, which was also in Ship of the Line, don't don't forget that. Oh, jeez. Ah. They can. If you're playing a Trick FM bingo at home, I think I just gave you a, a straight across right there. But you can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Well, guys, I think uh, this is teaching me I need to do a little more research on some of these episodes. So I'm going to pop in, let's see, Half a Life, Dark Page, and Predator, which I know is not an episode, but it's a great movie. So I'm going to go watch that too. <laughs> so <laughs> live long and prosper. Make it so. Endgame. Fire. Fire.